Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. You have made it. You have survived it. It is Friday. You have made it through the whole week. Praise be to God. Prayerfully, you'll have a great weekend. I'm looking forward to it uh, myself. I was sick last Saturday, so it's nice to not be sick this weekend, I guess. Praise God for that. Get to go back to Holy Mass again. I can't wait. Uh, but today on the program, we're going to have a couple of great guests. Dr. Joseph Shaw is going to be on. I think he's a professor at Oxford, um, a philosopher in ethics. Uh, but he's also... Uh, a, behind the Latin Mass Society there. I think he he runs, he's the chairman of the Latin Mass Society in England. We're going to have a conversation of what's concerning us about the state of the faith in England, um, maybe some of the impact of uh, Traditionis Custodis, maybe we'll talk about that, um, but uh, very fascinating. I'm always fascinated by the Catholics in England, given the Reformation there. Uh, so, great conversation coming up in the What's Concerning Us with Dr. Joseph Shaw. In the guest segment, Suan Sona is going to be our guest. He's a convert uh, from the Baptist uh, tradition. He's come into the church and in a sort of a powerful way uh, has really dived deep into the Catholic faith. He's been debating many on the subject of papal uh, authority, papal infallibility, the, the office of the papacy, and, and given the motto proprio and then some of the conversations that are happening around the world today uh, about the papacy. I thought it'd be an interesting conversation to get Suwan on to talk about some of those issues within the Catholic faith and where uh, in, in sacred scripture do we find the papal authority? What about those early church fathers? At what point did they accept the authority of the Pope, the bishop in Rome? That's going to be part of the conversation in, with Suwan Sona today in our guest segment. Plus, in the second hour, for the, any of those that you can join us in the second hour, we're very grateful if you can, but we're going to be giving out the prize today. Every Friday, we pull a name out of the coffee cup of Divine Providence, and we announce them on the air and give out the prize. Praise be to God. It's a part of our game show segment, which is a lot of fun, and uh, that's going to be happening today for those that are joining us in the second hour of our program. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yep. And you know, I'm... I was looking at Joseph. I actually haven't seen a truth in advertising. Truth in advertising. I don't actually keep up that much about what goes on across the pond. Huh. I pretty much keep my head in the U.S. of A. Really? Yep. Mm. Yep. Mm. But so I was looking up the Latin Mass Society of England and Wales, and apparently they have grown significantly after the motor proprio. They had like almost 70 new members when normally they get about 40 every <laughs> See, three this months. Is, this is what I'm saying. It's so the like, opposite effect. Yeah, it's super weird, but it's That's like, why it's this pretty is awesome. <laughs> this is kind of hopeful in some ways. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get the take from uh, Dr. Joseph. Shaw. But I'm more fascinated by the state of the faith in England in general than I am to be specific about, say, the TLM or the Traditionis Custodis. Uh, given the fact that uh, at the Reformation, in the, you know, in the 16th century, um, the, that was a Catholic nation, and it had to be crammed down the throats of every person in England that they were no longer going to be Catholic. Um, that was a violent overthrow of the faith there, and many fought to the death 
to try to restore Catholicism to the country. So what is the state of the faith in England? That's a big part of the conversation I'm looking forward to with Dr. Joseph Shaw. Uh, All right, so that's the program today. We're very excited. Janelle is not uh, with us right yet. Uh, She'll be here in a little while, uh, but we'll be jumping into a couple of news stories here in one moment and uh, and that are kind of breaking news and talking about those. We'll have a... uh, uh, saint of the day, gospel of the day, a little reflection, praise be to God. The What's Concerning Us with Dr. Joseph Saw, the guest segment with Suan Sona from Intellectual Conservatism, all that and more. But let's pray and we'll dive into those stories. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now let's look at a couple of headlines in the in the news today. This is reported out of LifeSite News. It says, New England bishop accused of having sexually abused a minor. This is breaking news here. Uh, out of Manchester, New Hampshire, my old stomping grounds, in fact, a new New England Catholic bishop has been uh, accused of sexually abusing a minor while he was a parish priest. Well, he's not new now, uh, but uh, Bishop Peter Anthony Lebowski of the Diocese of Manchester, New Hampshire, is alleged to have fondled and groped a child's genitals on numerous occasions back in 1983 and 1984 when the alleged victim was 12 or 13 years old, according to the report by the local news outlet WMUR. Lebowski was pastor of St. Cyril Methodius Roman Catholic Church in Deer Park, New York, when the alleged abuse took place. The alleged victim was a student at St. Cyril Methodius School at the time. The Sisters of St. Joseph, who operated the school, also uh, are named in the lawsuit. The WMUR report goes as follows, quote, The lawsuit alleges negligence by the school and church because Lebowski was put in a position of power at the church. It alleges he used the power to allegedly abuse the child. Lawyers allege the church and school knew or were responsible and should have known, knowingly condoned or covered up the alleged inappropriate and unlawful activity, unquote. The alleged victim continues to suffer physical and psychological injuries, including significant emotional distress, problems sleeping and concentrating, and feelings of worthlessness, shamefulness, and embarrassment, according to an MSN.com report. Quote, following standard protocol, the matter has been reported to civil authorities, unquote, according to diocesan officials uh, in a WMUR statement. In an official communique to LifeSite News, the Diocese of Manchester said the following, again, quote, The Diocese of Manchester was informed of the filing of a civil lawsuit wherein Bishop Peter Lebowski was named. This lawsuit alleges sexual abuse of a minor dating back to 1983 and 1984 in the state of New York. At this time, the status of the bishop remains unchanged. Following standard protocol, the matter has been reported to civil authorities. Because this is an ongoing matter and out of respect for the individuals involved, the diocese will not be providing additional information at this time, but will provide updates when they are able to do so. Unquote. 
The Manchester Diocese maintains a website which names 73 priests associated with the diocese who were accused of sexual abuse against minors from 1950 until 2002. The diocese claims uh, never to have received any reports of sexual abuse of a minor by a permanent deacon or bishop or a priest since 2002. That's the report out of LifeSite News. So let's keep everybody in prayer there. And it's interesting. When I came into the church in 1999, the bishop who brought me in was wrapped up in moving priests around under cardinal law in Boston who had committed abuse. So there's a Uh, There's a wound there that's now been opened once again. Let's pray for everybody involved. Uh, Go to one more story here. This one out of the Epic Times. uh, Breaking news. Mississippi asks Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade in abortion case. The article goes as follows. Mississippi's Attorney General asked the U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday to overturn the landmark abortion decision Roe v. Wade and argued that the practice shouldn't be considered a constitutional right. Quote, the conclusion that abortion is a constitutional right has no basis in text, structure, history, or tradition. Unquote, Attorney General Lynn Fitch, a Republican, told the nine justices in a new court filing. The high court in May agreed to hear Mississippi's appeal of a 2019 court ruling striking down a state law that prohibited abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy. The case, Dobbs v. Jackson, is expected to be argued when the Supreme Court's term starts in October. In the brief, the Mississippi Attorney General noted that the Constitution's text doesn't mention abortion and said adhering to the 1973 decision is, quote, dangerously coercive to our constitutional system, unquote. The Supreme Court at the time ruled that abortion could be legalized prior to viability, which is generally the 24th week of pregnancy. The initial brief filed by the state, filed in June of last year, argued that the state's uh, Gestational Age Act complied with existing legal precedent and suggested Roe v. Wade should be overturned if the Supreme Court came up with no other way to uphold Mississippi's law. It'll be interesting. Interesting to see how this comes out. And those are your breaking news and stories. Let's go to the Saint of the Day. The Saint of the Day is Blessed Pedro Ruiz de los Panos Angel. He was born on the 18th of September, 1881 in Mora, Toledo, Spain. He studied seminary in Toledo, Spain. He became a priest and joined the diocesan laborer, priest of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. He became administrator of four Spanish seminaries in the Spanish College of Rome, Italy. He became the director general of the laborer priest for three years and founded the Society for the Promotion of Vocations in Seville to financially support seminarians. He published the periodical Vocations Pages and founded the women's congregation Disciples of Jesus in Toledo, Spain in 1934. He was martyred by communists in the Spanish Civil War. He died by being shot on the 23rd of July, 1936, in the Paseo del Transito in Toledo, Spain. He was beatified on the 1st of October, 1995, by Pope John Paul II. Blessed Pedro Ruiz de las Panos Angel, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today goes back to Matthew 13, where we left off the day before last. of uh, Chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. Jesus said to his disciples, Hear the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it 
and the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy, but he has not he has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirty-fold. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The world, the flesh, and the devil. These are the main distractions for the vast majority of human beings, and that is why there is no fruit as a result of the seeds planted in their heart. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Maybe we ought to avoid those things, huh? The Navarre commentary said this, When this word is proclaimed, the voice of the preacher rings out loud, but the word resounds in the hearts of those who hear it and can, rise and can raise the dead to life. The sound of the word gives birth to new sons of Abraham in the faith. The word is alive in the heart of the father, on the lips of the preacher, in the hearts of those who believe and love. And because it is alive, it is powerful. Quoting Baldwin of Canterbury. But I want to back up a little bit. I want to back up. If you go back to verse 10 of chapter 13 and you go through verse 16 and you realize that he is preaching the parable to the people, but to his disciples, to his 12, he speaks plainly. I find that super fascinating. The Ignatius Catholic's commentary said this, Jesus' private instruction of his disciples reflect his intention to arrange the church hierarchically. He invests his authority in the apostles and their successors to administer the sacraments and transmit God's truth through their teaching. This sentiment is also found in the other uh, Gospels, especially in Mark. He's clear to the apostles, to those twelve, to the rest, he's not so much, but The fathers of the church have taken that even further. Here's what St. Chrysostom said. For they had seen the demons going out. They, the people he preached to in parables, the Jews. And they said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub. They heard that he drew all men to God. And they say, this man is not of God. Therefore, because they spake the very contrary to what they saw and heard, to see and to hear is taken from them. For they profit nothing, but rather fall under judgment. For this reason, he spake to them at first, not in parables, but with much clearness. But because they perverted all they saw and heard, he now speaks in parables. The world, the flesh, the devil. Let's choose carefully the voices that we will listen to in this world. Amen? We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. Dr. Joseph Shaw will be our guest from England. What's the status of the faith there? What's the impact of Tritionis, Custodis? That's coming up next. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. 
Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Swan Sona from the Intellectual Conservatism YouTube channel is going to be our guest. Convert to the church. Praise be to God. We always love our convert stories. I'll talk a little bit about that, but more about the power, the authority of the office of the Pope. Uh, it's, uh, it's history going back to the, uh, the first century, how the church took that authority. We're going to have a, an interesting conversation in light of the conversation going on around the world today uh, about the motu proprio. We thought it would be fascinating to dive into the early church fathers, and Suan Sona has been debating a lot on those very issues, so we have invited him on the program. That's 35 past the hour. Joining us right now from England is Dr. Joseph Shaw. He's the chairman of Latin Mass Society of England and Wales there. He's also uh, on faculty at Oxford uh, and teaches in philosophy and ethics, which uh, fascinates me because one of my favorite saints of, of the English Reformation period uh, is Edmund Campion, who also was at Oxford. So good morning to you, Dr. Joseph Shaw. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for your time and being on our program today. Um, can we start with uh, what is the status of the Catholic faith in, in England? Uh, England having a, a very interesting history for the reasons I stated earlier, having had gone through a persecution, had to fight even to the shedding of its own blood, uh, Edmund Campion being an ex- excellent example of that, uh, to fight for the faith. What is the status of Christianity in England today? Well, we survive. We survive <laughs> somehow through that period and partly thanks to our own resources and partly thanks to priests coming from Italy and uh, Catholics also migrating from Ireland to England in the 19th century. We now comprise about, I don't know, 5% of the population, not very much. And of course, we're suffering all the problems that are suffered around the world by of lapsation and failure of catechesis and all those sorts of issues. Now, I've heard that England is considered one of the most agnostic countries on the planet. Uh, Would you say that's a fair assessment? No, I I wouldn't, actually. I I think that there are countries such as, I think the Czech Republic is the the worst. (laughs) (laughs) I heard it was Tokyo, or Japan, rather, but okay, the poor Czechs. Yeah, well, there's that as well. I think it's it's true that we... we, we, Religion has sunk to a pretty low level here, but it, it's not—it's nothing like as bad as as in in the Scandinavia, for example. Wow, the you know that it, it's 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 really it's really <laughs> terrible there. But what we have here is a lot of people with a very vague, non-Catholic Christian kind of culture. Mm. 
So people who uh, are, you, just, you call them um, Episcopalians, Anglicans. Um, so they, they have a kind of vague idea that there's a God and there's a kind of vague idea that there's, there's, they can always go to church if they wanted to, and they might go there to get married. Mm. There's quite a lot of that, but it's, it's even that is fading away now because that is now two generations, not just one generation, but two generations away from serious practice of faith. Let's talk specifically about the Catholic community then. Uh, I remember having a uh, – there's a priest friend of mine who was in England at the time Benedict XVI made his visit there. Mm-hmm. And he's an American who was in England at the time. And even from his perspective, it seemed to me that that was a fairly monumental moment in the life of Catholics in England. What would you say about that? Yes, it was, it was very significant. It, 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 it was one of a number of things, actually, which surprised our you know, cultural and political elite by how much enthusiasm it generated. But, you know, this keeps happening. There are events which, oh, gosh, I had no idea that Christianity was still something which interested people. It happens over and over again. So um, cultural events which involve Christianity, people... people pick up their ears and they listen to it. A, a couple of years ago, there was an exhibition in the Victorian Albert Museum called Opus Anglicanum. And, and they said um, they were amazed by the fact that people were interested in coming to look at English, re- mostly religious uh, needlework. They were, well, why would anybody be interested in this boring old stuff? Well, actually, it was fascinating. It's part of our high heritage and culture and people wanted to see it. And people are no longer motivated by the kind of serious Protestantism that was kind of anti-Catholic. That's disappeared, and that's a good thing. Um, And that was stopping people welcoming the Pope. That was stopping people taking the medieval heritage seriously. All those things, that's really gone now. There are a handful of people like that in Northern Ireland, but it's finished. So you have something like that. You have a very, uh, very attractive figure of Pope Benedict. I think that's an important thing to note that he was personally a very, very attractive guy. Um, he spoke very well. He was very gentle and, and obviously, you know, had our, our um, you know, was concerned with, 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 with us. Um, and he came here and people listened to him mm. uh, and people really lined the streets and turned up to events and stuff. And there was very little anti-Catholic stuff in the media very little so when when we think of uh the anglican church in america we kind of think of like high church anglicans high church episcopalians is this the kind of like liturgy that's present in the catholic church in uh in england is that the is it like all very high church very beautiful uh what is the liturgical practice in uh in england it's very mixed so you do have that in 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 some churches and then you have um evangelicals who are you know, within the Anakin church. And there's quite a lot of those. Um, and then you have uh, a whole lot of people who uh, are called kind of middle of the road, liberal Anglicans, who don't appear to believe anything, and don't appear to have any kind of liturgical sense. And they're just kind of going through the motions, really. Um, but of course, the Anakin church has got these enormous assets. It's got all these buildings, it's got income, it's got investments, a vast amount of money there and not as much as they would like of course but <laughs> quite a lot there so it's 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 a machine that can just keep on going even if there's no one turning up to any of their church wow. services Sounds like <laughs> so German. there's a huge number of anglican clergy i'm vastly more than catholics even though they got fewer people coming to church 
That's insane. But going back to Benedict's visit again, it was described to me that this set into motion a revival of of the Catholic faith in England. Is that the case? What is the... So I've heard that it even has set into motion a sort of a love of tradition in uh, the traditions of the Catholic faith there. So you being uh, the chairman of Latin Mass Society, I'm wondering how how have you seen the growth uh, of the Latin Mass community as a result to, say, the Benedict's uh, visit or even as we transition into the effects of Traditionis Custodis? Yes, well, I mean, now there's, there's something in that. I mean, you can see, in fact, there's st- a statistical effect on the number of ordinations. So you can see, you know, Pope Benedict becomes Pope when he visits England, and then the number is an uptick. Um, and uh, Pope Benedict really brought out a situation, not only in this country, um, where he particularly affected us because of his visit, but in, in many countries around Europe, and I think in America as well, where his whole style stimulated an interest in um, everything to do with, you know, the traditional liturgy, uh, chant. I mean, I run a Gregorian chant group in Oxford, and there were lots of students coming in saying, oh, I'm interested in chant, and many, many more than before. Um, but the, the, unfortunately, the effect has not lasted. Mm. Pope Benedict uh, left office, and that whole kind of project and appeal um, has not been maintained. Wow. Um, so, you know, the, the, even the English bishops, you know, we might be critical of the English bishops, but they did take up a bit Pope Benedict's um, program. So, for example, they reintroduced the Friday abstinence in this country, um, which is, you know, quite something, having abolished it in the 1980s. Wow. And they reintroduced it. Um, and um, yeah, people were interested in that. It was it was it was something which you know, showed you a Catholic. It was something which you could do for for God without being thought to be a kind of Pharisee, uh, and you know brought us all together a bit. But and that's still that's still there. But the, you know the, the overall program that the way to evangelize the country is through beauty and solemnity and devotion and stuff. Well, um, and theological seriousness um, that. That's been on the back burner since since Pope Francis. Now, with uh, the Traditionis Custodis come out, it's raised a lot of conversation, debate uh, amongst Catholics worldwide. Uh, what I found fascinating was apparently in England, you've had you guys have enjoyed uh, having the traditional form of the Mass going back to Paul the Sixth uh, because of Agatha Christie. Is that rumor true? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, the Latin Mass Society was one of the founder. You know, members of the of the International uh, Federation of of, of University Groups. So it was the oldest, one of the oldest University Groups, 1965. So we saw there was a huge problem happening, and and we we, we got we got organised. And when the new mass came out in 1969, uh, my you know my predecessors um, they said, um, you know, let's see if we can get cultural figures to sign a petition asking for it the old mass to be preserved because it's a cultural artifact of great significance not just for catholics but for human culture in general i think it was a very clever idea because everyone was saying or the church officially was saying oh this is going to be wonderful pastorally so you couldn't really make the claim that we need it for pastoral reasons so they say well okay forget that for a moment we need it for cultural reasons it's a cultural culturally important thing so they got 
Agatha Christie, they got um, the editor of the Times, they got the controller of you know BBC Radio Three, which is on a cultural uh, cultural radio program. They got two Anglican bishops. They got a um, member of Parliament from each of the main parties. They had a whole lot of musicians, poets, writers, and one of them was Agatha Christie, which is always a kind of memorable That's one. Funny. Um, and um, and they got Cardinal Heenan, our Cardinal at the time, Cardinal John Heenan, was was very friendly. Um, didn't do a great deal for us practically, but he did do this, which is he took this petition and gave it personally to Paul VI, wow. with whom he had a good relationship. And Paul VI, oh, the, you know, the legend is Paul VI looked down the names of Agatha Christie, but it arranged <laughs> whatever it takes. Order. She's near the top. <laughs> Just after Vladimir Ashkenazi, who's That's one of, who is the only surving petitioner. That's, oh, wow. That's He's hilarious. Still we, alive today. We only have about a minute and a half left in our conversation with you, Dr. Joseph Shaw. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts on Traditionis Custodis? Well, um, I have two thoughts. One is it, it's, a, it's a very, very sad because um, the Pope is characterizing us in the accompanying letter in a, in a very unflattering way, which I think is very unjust. Um, the other thing is that I think it's important to recognize that it's the the actual legal stuff in it is not quite as bad as it might appear. What mm. it's doing is it's giving power to bishops. If the bishop is friendly, then actually he can let everything carry on as he wants. Amen. Um, uh, if the bishop is unfriendly, then he's probably already made it very difficult right. to have the traditional mass. So I think that, you know, we can survive this yeah um and i you know i do encourage people not to not to panic <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would agree it's uh, i i think it'll uh, i think it'll be fine in the long run it may be difficult for some there's no doubt but it i know you have a a great blog post here over on the Latin mass society of england and wales it's lms.org.uk you should check it out some great information there uh i encourage everybody to check it out dr joseph shaw thank you for your time today we're very grateful to you thank you God bless you and God love you. And we'll be praying for the faithful in England and a restoration of the faith across England. That would be amazing. Coming up after the break, breaking news and stories with Janelle and then Swan Sona on the papacy is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church would be okay if it weren't for all the rituals? Why do people complain about rituals in the church? They don't complain about the rituals that fill the rest of their daily lives. They shake hands, they sign their names, they put candles on birthday cakes, they give each other flowers, they put on fancy weddings and somber funerals. Those are all rituals. They are symbols. They are simple ways of representing complex ideas. G.K. Chesterton says, Ritual is a need of the human soul. In fact, it's a need of the human body, like exercise. Destroy your impressive ceremony, and all you get in return is unimpressive ceremony. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time, 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Lots of headlines today. Pelosi cites faith but defends abortion, claims her Catholicism drives her to support killing the unborn. Dominion voting machines decertified. Secretary of the Commonwealth tries the delegitimizing ballot audits. Australian Archbishop abandons the TLM, ushers in the restrictions from the Pope's motu proprio. Abortion clinic that kills babies up to birth injures 36th women in botched abortion. Argentina offers ex-gender option for national ID document and passport. 33 ancient viruses discovered frozen in Chinese glaciers. Nearly all of them have never been seen by humans. And reported by The Blaze, CDC reports drug-resistant fungus infections in Texas and Washington, D.C. Health officials possess evidence of an untreatable fungus spreading in several faculty facilities. The superbug outbreaks have been reported at the nursing home in the nation's capital and in two Texas hospitals, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported according to the Associated Press. Several individuals have infections where they, which were resistant to all three types of antifungal drugs, the outlet said. The fungus Candida auris is a harmful form of yeast that is considered dangerous to hospitals and nursing home patients with serious medical problems. It is mostly deadly when it enters the bloodstream, heart, or brain. Outbreaks in healthcare facilities have been spurred when the fungus spreads through patient contact or on contaminated surfaces, the AP reported. In 2019, three cases were diagnosed in New York, and they were resistant to enkinocandins, a class of medications that's regarded as a last form of defense, according to the AP. The outlet noted that in those instances, there was no evidence of spread between patients, and scientists concluded that drug resistance developed amid treatment. In the nation's capital, a cluster of 101 cases at a nursing home facility involved three that proved to be resistant to all three types of antifungal medications. Two out of the 22 instances in two Dallas-area hospitals exhibited the amount of resistance, the AP noted. These cases were observed from January to April, and out of the five individuals who were totally resistant to treatment, three passed away, including the two patients in Texas and one in Washington, D.C. Investigators examined medical records and uncovered no evidence of prior antifungal utilization among people in those clusters. Health officials noted that this means that there was a spread between people. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Friday. Praise be to God in all things. Uh, I want to thank gloryandshine.com for their generous support of Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to them. Family owned and operated, uh, a beautiful Catholic family out of Idaho making these uh, personal products like uh, soaps and uh, lotions and things like that. Beard care, for instance, that's what I purchased. And uh, wonderful product, but it's the beautiful Catholic packaging that really wins the heart, in my opinion. Uh, and we're just so grateful to you, gloryandshine.com, for your generous support of us. Uh, but joining us right now uh, via Zoom chat is Suan Sona. He is with Intellectual Conservatism over on 
on YouTube, and he's a convert to the church, and so am I, and uh, and I just love talking to converts and talking about that, the process of discovering the faith through the early church fathers in particular, and today we want to talk about the papacy. Good morning to you, Swan. Hey, good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for your time today. Now, where, what part of the world are you in? Uh, so I'm in Midwest. I'm in the Midwest. I'm in Kansas right now. Yeah, nice. Wonderful. We love Kansas. Um, <laughs> now, you are a convert from the Baptist tradition? Yeah. That's tell me, correct. Tell me about that. How did that come? Because it wasn't even all that long ago, right, when you came into the church. It's fairly recent in the in the timeline here. So maybe you could start with that. Give us the elevator pitch. How did you get into the Catholic Church? Yeah, so I entered the church, praise be to God, on May 31st, 2020. And uh, basically, you know, I when I was in high school, I had some serious kind of intellectual growth where I thought about, like, you know, why do I believe what I believe as a Christian? And I ended up running into St. Thomas Aquinas and other great natural law Catholic thinkers. And by the time I got into um, college, you know, I had a good respect for Catholics and their intellectual tradition. I still thought they were wrong about Mary, the papacy, justification, you know, all the big issues. And then it was during one of my college courses that we learned about the Reformation. And we learned about how the Reformation led to secularism. So how the Reformation basically led to this loss of tradition, this loss of a sacramental view of reality and how it ended up affecting society negatively. And so I remember after that class, I kind of thought, man, I don't know if I want to be Protestant anymore. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I had a Catholic friend of mine actually invite me to mass and I ended up going every Sunday until I started asking questions. And then here I am. That's amazing. Praise be to God. You know, in my own uh, journey, for me, it was the Holy Eucharist. I had to come to realize, I had to come to accept the church's teaching on the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And to that end, I, it was the early church fathers. It was deep scripture study. And when I said yes to the church, I still said, Lord, I don't, I, I don't know about Mary and the saints. I don't know about <laughs> that Pope, but I believe, help my unbelief. And, and, uh, and the journey was a, was more beautiful, in my opinion, as a result to just giving in to the, the, mm-hmm. Sent to the will, even if you don't fully understand. Um, but let's talk about the papacy in particular. Given the fact that, especially these days, there's a lot of debate going on uh, about the papacy, the current papacy, power, authority, uh, and and whatnot. I find it fascinating because when I was coming into the church and when I was going through these wrestling with these notions and looking at the early church, it's fascinating to see the role of the papacy in the earliest days. You've been debating a lot of Protestants on this very issue. Maybe you can take us through that journey. We have about uh, four minutes before we go to break, four or five minutes. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I've done several debates on the papacy, debating Protestants. And then actually my, you know, I have a really big debate coming up on August 5th with Gavin Ortland on capturing Christianity, 12 p.m. Central. And so um, do you want to know like the biblical case for the papacy? Or what are you interested in? Specifically about the early church. I mean, it blew my mind uh, that Clement sends a letter to the Corinthians. Like, who is this guy over in Rome? You know, (laughs) how how dare he, you know, interject himself into our local business? Um, That is fascinating to me because that's a, he's like the third pope, fourth pope in line. I mean, uh, so that's very early. He, He knew Peter himself and yet he is expressing something that seems to be a given. How did your, how did you react to that as a Protestant? Well, yeah. So, I mean, uh, one of the things that I paid attention to as a Protestant was the Apostolic Fathers. And so what I wanted to know is just what did the earliest Christians say? Because going into my study of Catholicism, like I knew about how 
you know, New Testament scholars study ancient documents. And so I knew like how even Protestant scholars would look at the ancient sources. And so I went in thinking, okay, I need to see Catholic stuff really early in Christian history. You know, and then you read Ignatius of Antioch, you read Clement of Rome, you read, um, you know, the Shepherd of Hermas, you read other documents that kind of show you, okay, yeah, uh, there were very Catholic things being said in the early church. So when it comes to the papacy, um, yeah, I mean, Clement of Rome is universally attested in the early church as being one of the successors of Peter. Right. And so, as you explained in First Clement, he writes a letter to the Corinthian church where he basically tells them that they don't have the right to depose their bishops mm-hmm. who have served honorably. Right. So the bishops and presbyters who have served honorably. And Clement is writing on behalf of the entire church. And this letter is dated by scholars are either before 70 A.D. So this is before the destruction of the temple or 96 to 99 A.D. Either way the the apostle john would have been alive and so if he had a problem he could have confronted clement like right so he, could have, he could have said clement what are you doing you know <laughs> peter didn't give you this power right. yeah let me remind you i stood at the cross and uh and can you put a stop to this you know it's fascinating isn't it i mean it's just utterly fascinating to realize that the earliest days of the church there is this papal authority that wouldn't have been called that at the time, but it was, I mean, if it acts like a duck, talks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's a duck. And, and here it is. And yet I wonder, uh, it, it, there seems to be a micromanaging going on from the Vatican down to the point where even a local priests are being told what to do by the Vatican versus the local ordinary. How do you see the early church, uh, you know, expression of the papacy and papal authority versus today? Has there, has there been a, a, a change in discipline, a change in procedure, a change in thought? Well, I mean, so the development of the papacy is, is a bit of a complicated issue, right? Because there are, there are times where you clearly see that the Bishop of Rome believes that he was given the entire church to care for, right? Mm. But then you have churches in the East that disagree. And so you do have these early disputes throughout the history of the church, which eventually do lead to the schism, right? But we also see that, you know, the, the Pope will say certain things about himself or even other people like, you know, Maximus the Confessor will say things like, you know, Rome has a universal supreme jurisdiction or something like that. And so, I mean, what you find in the first thousand years before the Great Schism is you have some people saying very clearly, you know, the Roman Catholic Vatican won papal theological claims. And then you'll have in the East, you know, people claiming kind of more, Eastern Orthodox ecclesiology. Um, the thing is, is that both views are there. And I would say that it seems to me that the Roman Catholic view is there pretty early on, but mm-hmm. then you can find the Eastern view as well. But the point that I'm making is that, um, you know, it, the, the papacy developed and there are instances, even in the early church, I would say even in the New Testament with Peter, where you see a clear foreshadowing of what is to come, where you see the Pope or, you know, Peter being the first Bishop of Rome exercise incredible power, you know, Mm. in Acts chapter five, he rebukes Ananias and Sapphira and God immediately backs his decision and Ananias and Sapphira fall dead. And it says the entire church was afraid. I bet. Hold that thought. I bet. Yeah. The the sound of the footsteps. Can you hear? They've already just carried your, your husband away. Now they come from you. That is a, a scary and frightening thought. But we are talking with Suwon Sona. He is with Intellectual Conservatism YouTube channel. Check it out. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and carry on our conversation about the power, the authority of the papacy, early church to today. All of that coming up next. 
This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. As moms and dads, we're pulled in many directions. Our world is frantic and sometimes chaotic. We parents need to take a pause. Take some time away to become more intentional in our Catholic family life. We suggest a tool that we call the Family Board Meeting. This meeting's a time for you and your spouse to affirm each other in your giftedness, cast a vision framing what you want your family to look like, and then set concrete goals to make that vision a reality. More than ever, our world needs dynamic Catholic families. That only happens when parents are intentional about building a Catholic family culture within their home. Take time to build a culture that is stronger and more influential on your children than the culture of the world that surrounds them. To help you run this board meeting, we've created a tool for you. A download at our website, MessyFamilyProject.org. Get the worksheet and then work with your spouse to be more intentional in your family life. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Suan Sona's our guest. His YouTube channel is Intellectual Conservatism. You love debates, uh, apologetics, these types of things. Uh, I would highly encourage you to check out his YouTube channel, Intellectual Conservatism. Uh, welcome back to the program, Suan. It's good to have you on again. Yeah, um, thanks for having me on. I want to go back to the idea and sort of exploring the the concept of the early papacy versus what we're seeing today. And again, I think there's something to uh, sort of this notion of micromanaging. It would seem to me that in the early church, although the papacy did express itself out of Rome, uh, it did so sometimes at an arm's length dis- distance. For example, if you go to like the councils, the Nicene Council, uh, the Pope did not go. He sent a delegation on his behalf, but we that was kind of a pretty common thing. Like the Pope would just be like Ambrose dealing with the uh, with the Roman Emperor and excommunicating him. Ambrose wasn't Pope. I mean, uh, so you see what I'm saying? There seemed to be like still an arm's length distance there, even with his power, his authority, his office. Uh, is that an accurate description? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, like, you know, it's usually the norm of history is that the Pope will cooperate, or I should say the Pope will work with his brother bishops, right, to achieve the ends that he desires. But there are times, for instance, I think it's between Pope Stephen and Cyprian of Carthage, where they go head to head on the issue of baptism, and whether or not um, someone has to be baptized again, if they were baptized by a heretic, right? And so there are times in which the Bishop of Rome would very clearly say, no, you guys are wrong, or you guys have to change your opinion about this. And he'll kind of go beyond what seems to be his diocese, his jurisdiction in Rome, uh, and, you know, he'll interfere. And so you have mixes of both situations, as you pointed out. You know, what I'm thinking of is the idea that today, you know, the papacy is kind of in flux. I mean, it's kind of confusing of what's going on over there. Kind of like I was reading the Book of Gomorrah uh, by St. Peter Damien, and it seemed like the situation at that time was so uh, 
so turbulent that they could that people were the popes were declaring their predecessors anti-popes and then the next predecessor saying that no that that pope was wrong uh how do we respond in the modern era looking at the church fathers and the apostolic fathers especially how do we what was what is the uh our attitude toward the papacy what should it be well, I mean, I think our attitude towards the papacy is that we should understand that, you know, Jesus Christ. So let's go back to the very beginning, the roots, right? Jesus Christ chose Peter to be the prince and head of the apostles. And, you know, we know that Peter wasn't a perfect human being, and yet he was given the gift of infallibility. He was entrusted, you know, by Christ, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, right? And so you see from the very beginning, someone who is flawed, but yet loved by God and desires you know, and, and desired as a leader of the church. And so what you, what you see throughout history is you'll see the popes do great things. You'll see the popes sometimes make moral mistakes, right? But, you know, when it comes to teaching theologically, you know, there's never a mistake in terms of binding the whole church to error or, you know, forcing others to bind themselves to error, right? And so, uh, you know, a, a lot of the, a lot of the church fathers, especially during the councils, they'll say things like Rome is spotless or Rome does not have any stain of heresy, right? Or Rome hasn't kept, you know, its places first among all the apostolic sees and so on and so forth. And so I think our attitude should be one of respect. It should be one of recognition of the office that Christ built. But then there is that recognition that, you know, sometimes the individual who sits on the chair of Peter, maybe we disagree with him, right? And as Catholics, we're free. Uh, to disagree to some extent, you know, within prudence and understanding the magisterial authority that he's exercising. But yeah, um, respect for him, but also an informed kind of recognition of what he's doing. See, it seems to me that the early church, the Apostolic Fathers, really held to almost, uh, at least from my perspective, an ultramonetist position. And for those who don't know, ultramonetism basically uh, says that the Pope is like all powerful, essentially. He, he cannot be wrong. He's practically impeccable. Um, and so, but that, that seems to not be the case whenever we look at Vatican I, which of course comes over a thousand years, nearly 2000 years after the Apostolic Fathers. So how do we, how do we reconcile the Apostolic Fathers with the modern interpretation of the papacy? Yeah, well, I think so. You know, I think one of the big things about Vatican I is that, so the first thing is that Vatican I begins from scripture, right? And so I've, I've done a lot of work on the biblical case for the papacy. And so I think that the biblical grounds for the papacy, like Matthew 16, 16 and 19, John 21, 15 and 19, I think those are actually really solid and underrated kind of um, defenses of the papacy. And then when it comes to the apostolic fathers and the earliest Christians, you know, one thing to note is that nobody questions that Peter had successors to his ministry in Rome. Okay. So they recognize that much. And then you'll see the early church fathers talking about like the centrality of Peter. So the primacy of Peter never comes under question. And then eventually there's talk of the chair of Peter, right? Upon which the successors of Peter sit and so on and so forth. And so, I mean, I think the best way to go is kind of what St. John, John Henry Newman said, which is, you know, sometimes doctrines do develop. And when it comes to something like the papacy, when the church is still itself developing and growing around the world, there are still bishops being, you know, ordained and, and still church structures developing around the world. It's really hard to imagine like the Pope exercising universal jurisdiction if the whole jurisdiction of the church hasn't exactly been scaled out just yet, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, 
I mean, you clearly, as I said before, you find like really strong endorsements of papal authority. And then sometimes you find some pushback, right? And so, you know, the first 1,000 years of Christianity, it's very turbulent. Uh, Suan Sona is our guest. He is uh, Intellectual Conservatism on YouTube. You should check that out. Uh, I'm curious, as a convert, you know, uh, when I became Catholic the uh, 1999 Easter Vigil, the bishop who, who confirmed me that night uh, was embroiled in the sex abuse crisis. He w- was served under Carlton Law. He helped to move around these uh, credibly accused priests. And when I discovered that after, I was a little scandalized by all that. That freaked me out. Uh, now, I naively didn't, didn't even know about any of that stuff. Did you come into the church knowing uh, you had to have? How could you have not known about some of the scandals going on in the church the last many decades? And, and what was your take on all of that? Yeah, I mean, so obviously, you know, I go into the church and I know about a lot of the controversies, a lot of the history. And, you know, people are telling me, Swan, you better watch out if you join the Catholic Church. Right. But the thing is, like, the reason why I joined the Catholic Church was because of my love for Christ, Mm. my desire to be totally obedient to him. And so what mattered to me was the question, did Christ build a church on this earth? And how did he build that church? Because I want to be in that church because I want to be with Jesus. Right. Yeah. And so. The more I looked into that question, the more eventually I became convinced of the Roman Catholic claims, on, on, you know, especially on the papacy yeah. and other issues. Was, and then, go ahead. You know, I remember like uh, it was, you know, during it was during the 2016 election, and my family and I we became American citizens finally. And you know, people are saying, you know, why do you want to become an American citizen when everything is so divided and polarized, and you know, you know, American history swan and all that. And I said, like, it's because I believe that America is worth being a part of. I believe that it's worth becoming a citizen, right? And so for me, when I was going into the Catholic Church, I believed that it was worth becoming Catholic, no matter the pain, the rejection, the misunderstandings from the world, because, you know, Jesus held on to me on the cross, and I'm not going to let him go when he needs me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point, I think, to make, because in spite of whatever goes on, whether it's scandal out of the Vatican, which we see quite frequently these days, uh, or difficult uh, topics that come out of the Vatican, like, for instance, Traditionis Custodis is a, a debate that's going on around the world at the moment about the Pope's comments on traditional uh, forms of, of piety and liturgy. Um, and still, the pursuit of truth is the primary mission that each individual must follow in spite of it all. And I think that's fascinating, given the fact that so many people abandon the faith every single year. Mm-hmm. How has your family taken your your conversion? Uh, well, you know, at the start, like, um, it was pretty rough, you know, like, because you know, there was kind of like denial and, you know, questions on like, what, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And so on and so forth. As time has passed, like things have calmed down, of course. My sister, um, you know, she, I have an older sister. And so she originally was kind of skeptical of why I was becoming Catholic. And then, you know, she recently was received into the church this last Easter vigil. And so she became Catholic as well. And, you know, she has a very good devotion to the Blessed Mother. And so there there are mixed responses from my family in terms of like with my sister, things are great. In terms of my parents, they still remain Baptist. And so there is still some tension. Mm, I can imagine I've gone through it in my family. I'm the only Catholic in my family at this point. And oh, man. It, it's, a, it's been a battle. But uh, what, was the, what was the biggest hit roadblock for you, the, the biggest uh, issues? Was it the papacy? Was it Our Lady? What, what was the biggest one? 
Yeah, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, when it came to, you know, when I when I had, when I started, like, you know, asking the questions and I started sitting down with a really intelligent Catholic convert by the name of Andy Brandt, you know, like um, he began going through the Bible with me and showing me like, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the typology between Mary and the Ark of the Covenant is just there. Mm. And for me, like, you know, because I'd been trained in philosophy, I'd been trained in apologetics and New Testament studies. I, I was able to say like, oh, yeah, I mean, that is there. Like, I can't deny it. You know, I'm not going to use my prior theology to start filtering the evidence. Right. Uh, you know, I, maybe the biggest struggle for me was. uh I, you know, I don't know, you know, like it just kind of, it just, for, I don't know why, but for, for me, like the Lord just kind of made it a really easy for me to accept the Eucharist, marry the papacy and justification, right? Once I saw the biblical evidence for it, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, I think maybe the biggest roadblock was Mary because I was kind of like, you know, immaculate, you know, like that, that was kind of the big one, immaculate conception, you know, mother of God, that makes sense because Jesus is God. Mary's the mother of Jesus. Logic's kind of, you know, the logic's airtight. So yeah, I think, uh, I think the things about Mary were difficult, but when I got my stuff on the papacy and the magisterium together, Mm. I realized that, okay, yeah, we have a good defense of the blessed mother. Yeah, for me, it was the one-two punch of the early church fathers and the scriptural evidence for it. It becomes very, very clear very quickly at that point. But uh, we're out of time. And uh, Swan Sona from Intellectual Conservatism on YouTube, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Yeah, no problem. God bless you and God love you and have a great day. And that is going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Thank you to Dr. Joseph Shaw from the Latin Mass Society of England and Wales and, and Suan uh, from Intellectual Conservatism. Check out their channels and their YouTubes and, uh, and websites. It's very important to support and spread those around. Praise be to God. Coming up in the next hour, if you can join us, we would love to have you, of course, giving out the prize today on the game show. Uh, someone's going to win, but the last three chances to get in on that are going to be coming up very shortly. So if you can, join us, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Otherwise, God love you, God bless you. See you back here on Monday morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. How should I respond to someone who wants to know if I've been saved or born again? Answer with a resounding yes. Tell them that it is through baptism that you are saved, just as the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.20, and that it is through baptism, water and the Spirit, that you are born again, just as the Bible says in John 3 verse 5. Many Protestants believe that they are saved by making a single act of faith at a single point in time in their lives. Nowhere does Scripture say such a thing. Catholics believe that salvation is a process which begins with our baptism and continues throughout our lifetimes, just as the Bible teaches us. Many places in Scripture talk about how one is saved, but not one of them says we are saved by one act of faith at just one point in time. Again, 1 Peter 3.20 says that we are saved by baptism. Hebrews 12.14 says that we will not see the Lord unless we are holy, and that we must strive for this holiness. Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, it says we must forgive others or we will not be forgiven. 
Can you attain salvation if God hasn't forgiven you? No. So our forgiving others is necessary for our salvation. John 6 verse 54 says that we will have eternal life by doing something, eating the flesh and drinking the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Matthew 19 verses 16 and 17, Jesus is asked directly what one must do to have eternal life. Did he say, accept me into your heart once and that's it? No. Jesus said to keep the commandments and you will have life. Yes, as Catholics we are born again, and as Catholics we believe that we were saved, as Paul says in Romans 8.24, that we are being saved, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, and that we will be saved, as Paul says in Romans 5 verses 9 and 10, provided we persevere and keep our eyes on the prize. Salvation is a process, just as Catholics believe, and just as the Bible clearly teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. Good morning to you and happy Fridays. Uh, Congratulations, you have survived it. You have made it through the whole week. The weekend is upon you. I wonder what's on your agenda this week, and hopefully it's something good and fun and relaxing and peaceful. Um, if you're hanging out with us on the video uh, stream, for those that are, you can comment. Let us know what you're up to this weekend. If not, don't worry about it. Your guardian angel knows, uh, and uh, we'll be praying for your intentions today here in just a moment, uh, as well as whatever's on your weekend agenda. Praise be to God. I'm looking forward to going back to Holy Mass since I was sick last week. Oh, I can't wait to get back to Mass. It's going to be amazing. Praise be to God. Uh, we just wrapped up a great conversation with uh, Swan Sona from Intellectual Conservatism, uh, a convert to the church. I love convert stories, but also somebody who is uh, debating the the defense of the church with Protestants quite a bit now. And uh, so if you're into apologetics and you're into debates, you might want to check out his channel. But we had an interesting and fascinating conversation, not only about his conversion, but also about the uh, the papacy, the power of the authority of the papacy in the early church as compared compared to the development into today. Fascinating conversation with Suwan in the last hour. Also, Dr. Joseph Shaw was on last hour to talk about the faith of England, uh, Catholics in England, the development of, uh, of the growth in, uh, on the, for tradition and, fa- and faith and, and the Catholic Church there in England. Fascinating conversation with Dr. Joseph Shaw. Hopefully, we'll get both of those conversations published later today uh, on our YouTube channel, Rumble, Facebook, elsewhere. But also, don't forget, you can always catch the podcast of our show right on our website, 
The podcast versions are are there as well as on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on Google Play. It's everywhere. Look for Catholic Drive Time. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'd be very grateful to you. But our website is grnonline.com forward slash CDT. The game show's coming up. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. Well, you you slept in today. I did. You you got your extra beauty sleep. Do you feel more beautiful now? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oversleeping is the worst, isn't it? Yes. It's never any fun. Now, yeah, it's a good you, thing I've never done that before. You wake up absolutely like, oh my heavens, the world's coming to an end. Yes. It's that, that anxious feeling. I when woke you up in like a sweat and I was like, oh, what time is it? What day yeah, is it? It's definitely, I, w- I, would, I would not wish that on anybody. But you're here. Praise be to God. We're glad to have you back on the, so and, and the microphone. Uh, game show today. What prizes yes. are at stake? So you can win an 8x10 print of your choice from Beat After Beat by Dulce and a leather cord bracelet of the Miraculous Medal. Thanks be to God. Um, Beat After Beat was created to spread the love and devotion of the Rosary and our Blessed Mother Mary through Dulce's art. Beat After Beat is her personal reminder that as we pray the Rosary, Beat After Beat, we are asking Mary to pray for us, to walk with us, and to help us so that we may be drawn closer to her son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Speaking of people who are in deep need of prayer and intercession, Adrian Fonseca sick is here on the ones and twos good morning please, to you please pray for me pray mm-hmm. for me dearly yeah pray uh, yes dearly. it's good to be here and you know i i am just so glad that i have never slept in before never uh, uh-huh. not even once not, or, or twice or yeah or or, or falling asleep during the show or, I, I or i'm glad i never did anything like that or yeah yeah those are the good the good old days air quotes good, good old, old days, days. Of uh, back in the day, Jiren alive days. Looking over to the corner there and seeing Adrian Fonseca near horizontal in his chair. Yes, Joe would drooling uh, all over the console. <laughs> He'd look over. He's like, "Why is the camera switched in uh, in like ten minutes?" Yeah. Oh, he's sleeping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it happens. Yeah. Well, okay. In your defense, I suppose you were still going through school and blah 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 blah. College student, no sleep. Blah 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 blah. blah whatever. But uh, we're glad that those days are over. Uh, by the grace of God. Good times. All right, we are going to jump into it. So at 15 past the hour, we play the game uh, Fear and Trembling, and prizes are at stake today. Today's the day the name is drawn from the cup. It could be you. If you're not in the coffee cup of Divine Providence, the way to get in is to be our first caller when I give you the phone number. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. The phone number is listed on our website. You can call early if you'd like and sit on hold. Uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt but i'll give you the phone number at 15 past the hour and if as long as you're the first caller you get your three chances to be in the cup and today we'll pull a winner and announce it before we go off of the radio so breaking news and stories we have saint of the day gospel of the day and fear and trembling all coming up second half of the hour we get casual in an after show uh, right on the uh, live video stream youtube facebook our own website, uh, wherever you're hanging out, we will hang out with you and you get to drive that conversation. So that's what's on the agenda. So let's dive in through prayer, asking for Our Lady to intercede for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection and implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee. O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Another good news with Janelle Lay. Lawn care worker saves man despite homeowners yelling for them to get off their lawn. Ninth Circuit favors Washington Church in case against state abortion coverage mandate. 
New Hampshire moves to restrict late-term abortions. New York bans underage marriages, raises age of consent to 18. And high school students invent device to help teachers' wheelchair-bound husband stroll with their baby. From Life News, new children's book, I Can Hear Music, teaches kids the humanity of unborn babies. A new children's book arriving this fall intends to normalize abortion by teaching kids that it simply ends a pregnancy. But pro-lifers are creating alternatives that appreciate the unborn for who they are, human persons of inherent dignity and worth. One such book comes from pro-life author Brendan Leans. Leans recently collaborated with illustrator Missy Johnson to produce a book called I Can Hear Music, which was published in January. The colorful pages and rhythmic wording following an unborn baby as he or she begins to hear in the womb, something that can happen as early as 18 weeks. In an interview for this piece, Leons reveals his inspiration for the book and what he hopes to accomplish with its message. From the beginning, the story shows a pregnant mother and her unborn baby encountering music everywhere, from a band playing outside to a church choir. But the little one's first and favorite song is the mother's beating heart. The Love You Hold In sings to me from the start, the book reads. The story ends with the baby, now born, listening to music in the crib. Sing to me, mommy, sing fast and sing slow, the words continue, and I'll sing with you sooner than you know. Leon's a Catholic husband and father, serves as an associate editor at the National Catholic Bioethics Center and co-host of the comics and Catholic ethics podcast, Superhumani Vitae. His own baby and love of music inspired the book, he said. I think it's important for everyone to know that emotional bonding with an unborn child can start well before the baby is born, he urged. This book was written to encourage that bond. He challenged children's books that attempt to normalize abortion and go as far as to call abortion when someone decides to stop growing their pregnancy. I think it's telling that the only way that they can present abortion as a reasonable act is by euphemisms, he said. The good news is that kids ask questions and eventually someone is going to have to admit to them what's growing in the pregnancy is a person. He continued, One of the nice things about writing I Can Hear Music and really anything pro-life is that there's no need to dance around the truth. His book not only presents a story but also provides facts about the unborn. At the end, the book lists citations for facts about sounds in the womb. These facts include when unborn babies can hear their mother's heartbeat, week 16, Lower Tones, Week 24, and Higher Tones, Week 30. From the National Catholic Register, Annual Courage Conference focuses on St. Joseph as a model of chastity. The Annual Conference of the Catholic Apostolate Courage International concluded last week, focusing on the example of St. Joseph. Courage International, Incorporated is a Catholic apostolate for those experiencing same-sex attraction who are trying to live chastely. The five goals of the apostolate are chastity, prayer and dedication, fellowship, support, and good example. It has more than 150 chapters in 18 countries and received canonical status in the Catholic Church in 2016. The 34th Annual Conference of Courage International was held at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas from July 15th to the 18th. Various talks focused on St. Joseph's example as a model of courageous love during the year of St. Joseph proclaimed by Pope Francis. Father Philip Bonchesky, executive director of Courage International, focused his closing address on St. Joseph in line with the 2021 conference's theme. 
When he, St. Joseph, became more fully aware of his vocation, the purpose and plan for which he had been created, Bonchansky said, he was willing to sacrifice the intimate sexual expression of love in his married life in order to live out all the other responsibilities of being a husband with greater dedication and self-sacrifice. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lay. God love you and have a good Friday. The saint of the day is Blessed Pedro Ruiz de los Pan Panos Angel. He was born on the 18th of September, 1881 in Mora, Toledo, Spain. He studied at the seminary in Toledo, Spain and became a priest with the Dodson Laborer Priest of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. He became administrator of four Spanish seminaries and the Spanish College of Rome, Italy. He became the director general of the laborer priest for three years and founded the Society for the Prom Promotion of Vocations in Seville to financially support seminarians. He published the periodical Vocation Pages and founded the women's congregation Disciples of Jesus in Toledo, Spain in 1934. He was martyred by communists in the Spanish Civil War. He died by being shot on the 23rd of July, 1936, in the Paseo del Transito in Toledo, Spain. He was beatified on the 1st of October, 1995, by Pope John Paul II. Blessed Pedro Ruiz de los Panos Angel, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. Jesus said to his disciples, Hear the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it, and the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy, but has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word, and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I love the, uh, I want to thank Verboom.com, by the way. Verboom, Verboom, that's V-E-R-B-U-M, Verboom.com forward slash G-R-N for generously sponsoring our gospel reflection, making it easy to dive deep into these passages through the early church fathers and commentaries. Augustine makes a point, because I backed up. I went back to the previous uh, few verses, uh, verses 10 through 16, to look at that, that the, the, the apostles, the 12, coming up and asking Jesus, Hey, why speak to them in parables? I mean, what's going on here? And that's a fascinating look because it explains so much. Augustine says this, that by their sins, they deserved this beating the people uh, not uh, that got spoken to in parables, the Jews. He says that by their sins, they deserved not to understand and that yet this was allowed them in mercy that they should confess their sins and should turn and so merit to be forgiven. Meaning, he still preaches to them in spite of it all, even if in parables, that they may come to a conversion. Adrian, what did you find? Uh, yes, really quickly, uh, the different, the, whenever our Lord here in the parable says, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirty fold, Cornelius uh, Lapide makes the point of saying, hey, this is super important about the hierarchy 
So whenever we get to heaven, there will be a hierarchy. People, and then he goes through and says, St. Jerome says this, and Athanasius says this, and Augustine says this, so on and so forth. But the thing to take away here is that all of the fathers agree that this is a reference to two things. One, having uh, greater and lesser places in heaven. And two, and the fact that different people will produce different fruits by the merit of their actions. And so he's specifically here, he, and whenever he talks about this, he's saying, hey, Calvin, yeah, that guy, he's wrong. And he's going against the church fathers by saying we cannot merit. Because here, our Lord shows us that we can merit and that we can merit more or we can merit less. And it's not necessarily, so as long as you make it to heaven, you're in heaven, praise be to God. But there is a place to where you can be higher. You can have 30 fold in heaven or you can have a hundred fold in heaven. And these are the things that we have to take away. We, we desire to be holy and we don't want to convert in our deathbed because um, who knows if we'll make it that far, but we desire to be at the highest place. We desire to bring as many people into the sheepfold. And that should be our goal in life is to, is for the salvation of souls and liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. All right. It is time to play the game. The phone number is wide open. You may call, be our contestant, and possibly win prizes today at 877-757-9424. It's a lot of fun. I guarantee it's uh, it's not that hard. 877-757-9424. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and we're going to play Fear and Trembling, the last three opportunities to get into the coffee cup of divine providence. And the name is pulled today. It's all going to happen here in just a moment at 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open, 877-757-9424. Call right now. We'll be right back. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, 
Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. Uh, but before I tell you what that is, the phone number is wide open. It's an opportunity here. If you've never played or if it's been a long time since you've played, if you called right now, you'll be the contestant at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Phone line is open at 877-757-9424. All right, while we're waiting for that phone call to come through, let me just tell you, there are a few things we like to do during the game show segment, but I don't want to tell anybody. I don't like telling, getting this out there publicly. I like to keep it just between us. But number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for opportunities in the questions that are teachable moments, and you might just learn something that you didn't know before. And that's always a lot of fun. Number two, we like to have fun with the contestants. Uh, we make it easy so that you, 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 you know, you don't really have to know. So it makes it a lot of fun. Contestants tend to laugh right, right along with us, and we love that part. And then, of course, we give out prizes, and that it makes it a winner for everybody involved. And uh, because who doesn't love prizes, right? But here's the kicker. If you're just joining us and you're not sure what's going on here, this is a Catholic Trivia Game Show segment. And we don't ask our contestant the questions, so they don't need to know the answers to still win our game, because I will ask Janelle, and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right, the other will be wrong, and the caller will just have 15 seconds to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Uh, speaking of prizes, what's on the hook this week? This week we have an 8 by 10 um print of the participant's choice and wait that's not it it's we also have a leather cord bracelet of the miraculous medal given to us donation uh, graciously donated to us by bead after bead by dulce you can look on her etsy um bead after bead by dulce or you can follow her also on instagram at bead after bead so thank you so much it's a wonderful place where you can find beautiful handmade rosaries um and other things so um praise be to god we're very grateful to bead after bead Amen. We love our sponsors. Thank you for giving us fun stuff to give away. Praise be to God. Bead after bead over on Etsy. We get a lot of uh, little Catholic businesses over on Etsy, and it's a great thing to do, right? To support Catholic businesses who are making f cool things, fun things, beautiful things to help inspire people in the faith, to help, uh, uh, you know, to support the piety of the church. And so we're glad to... Uh, to have these uh, sponsors on our program. So thank you again, Bead After Bead. Let's go to the phone lines. Melanie, good morning to you. Thank you for being a part of our program. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Now you're calling from where again? Milton, Florida. Milton, Florida's yeah. on the board. We love uh, we love yeah. hearing from Florida. Praise be to God. What is it, uh, 700 degrees and 8,000% humid right now over there? What, what's the temperature like? Pretty much, pretty much. It's only 83 right now, but it'll get up to 100% humidity and about 100 degrees. <laughs> and still you afternoon. live there. And still you live there. That is, it's heroic. Still we live here. It's virtuous and heroic that you would go through such penance during the summers there. <laughs> you, you stay indoors. You stay in the AC. September. <laughs> Praise be to God for air conditioning. Uh, what, what church you go to there? St. Rose of Lima. St. Rose of Lima. How wonderful is that? Well, praise be to God. Now, Melanie, I, I assume you're familiar with, you know how this works. Yes, I called in a few months ago. I remember, yeah. So, but uh, straw poll, who's trickier, Adrian or Janelle? 
Janelle. Oh, yes. Ooh. Thank you. She's Keep been who actually no. She's been totally, Hands totally down. busted. She's too, she's too sweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That little uh, sweet demeanor. <laughs> and yet there's like a pow right behind that smile. Right. You got to watch for yep. it. So, all right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get you into the cup here, uh, Melanie. Uh, let's play the game. Janelle, are you ready? I'm ready. Now that everybody knows. Everyone knows. <laughs> Everyone uh, knows now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, I am. Are you sure? Yes, I am. Who was the first disciple? The first disciple? Yes, the first so, one. The first one who was called by Jesus. Sure. Okay. Uh, I do believe that was St. Andrew. St. Andrew. Yes, uh, A for the first letter of the alphabet. Got it. Yes, hmm. Andrew. St. Okay. Andrew. Let's see what uh, Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me who was the first disciple? Was that like in the original French? Um, what? What was a, a for Andrew? A for Andrew. Oh, I see. I see. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Saint Peter. No, Saint Peter. He's listed first whenever they list the apostles. Mm. So I'm gonna go with Saint Peter. Okay. Okay. So Melanie, here's the deal. Adrian is on the hook for Saint Peter, and Janelle is on the hook for Saint Andrew as the first disciple called by Jesus. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Melanie, what say you? Well, even though I said Janelle's the trickiest, <laughs> I'm going to go with Janelle. Uh, congratulations. That was hard. That was really hard. That was very hard. Was it hard? I don't know. I, Andrew, who? Andrew called Peter and said, hey, I found the Messiah. Oh. We all remember that. Did you hear what Melanie said? She said, I thought the first disciple was Mary. Well, that would be my argument. But we stipulated called by Jesus. So congratulations. You're in the cup, though, Melanie. You've made it in. Praise be to God. You could win. Um, All right. I think, let's see here. The, The next question, I don't know. This one could be tricky. Could be. Could be. Let's see what Adrian has to say first. Adrian, can you tell me what is the term for the extraordinary gifts lost by Adam and Eve after their fall. What do we call that? It's a, it's a very technical mm, thing. The g- extraordinary gifts lost by Adam and Eve after the fall. That would be the preternatural gifts. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, let's see what Janelle has to say. Janelle, can you tell me what is the term for the extraordinary gifts Lost by Adam and Eve after their fall. After their fall. The preternatural gifts. Hmm. I'm going to go with original gifts because it's called original sin. Um, the fall of the, what led to Adam and Eve to the fall. So I'm saying that they lost their original gifts. They lost their original gifts. Yes. Hmm. Let's see here. Adrian is on the hook for the pre, uh, per, preternatural gifts. Forgive me. The preternatural gifts. And Janelle is on the hook for original gifts. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who can't pronounce it? 15 seconds. Melanie, what say you? Adrian. Survey says... Wow. Wow. That was a tough one, Melanie, and you nailed it. You sounded very confident. You knew that one? No, I didn't, but I liked Janelle's answer. She gave it away. <laughs> she, are you saying she threw that one? I think she's trying to curry your favor. That's that's my, oh, that's my guess yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's trying to change her image as being the trickiest of all tricky people. Okay, uh, you're in for two. Praise be to God. You've doubled your chances. Let's see if we can't triple them here. Uh, we're running out of time on the clock, so we've got to hurry now. We'll go back to Janelle. Janelle, can you tell me? Is modesty one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? 
The fruits of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Modesty. Uh, Is it one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to say yes. Okay. I wonder what that, where that leaves Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me, is modesty oh. <laughs> one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Um, well, I mean... I guess there's other or there's one other option. I'm gonna go with no. <laughs> Adrian says no. Janelle says yes. Uh, is modesty a fruit of the Holy Spirit? Uh, M- Melanie, what say you? Uh, it sounds like it should be, but I'm gonna go with Adrian. Are you sure? Oh! oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Melanie. Well, maybe Adrian uh, is the trickiest. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, so Janelle... All I said was no. <laughs> Janelle is... Uh, she's got your name in the cup for twice, so praise be to God, you can still win. Last week, the winner only had in their name in there once, uh, so she's going to mix it up, and she is going to draw a name out. Now, Melanie, it could be you. It might not be you. I don't know. God's will be done in all things. It is the coffee cup of divine providence. So uh, we'll have to deceive. But right. uh, I have a winner. We have a winner. We have, for this week, Alan Mallory from Alan Houston, Texas. Nice. Wow. Praise be to God. Congratulations, Alan. Melanie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe, okay. Was that a consulate? It's, right. it's all good. Yeah, praise be to God. Well, Melanie, we're grateful to you. Thank you for playing the game with us. Thank you for having fun and and putting up with the tricky Adrian and tricky Janelle. Um, I wish <laughs> I could I'll see you. give every answer to every contestant, but uh, I don't get to make the rules. So it just is what it is. What? It's okay. I'll see you on the after show. <laughs> praise be to God, Melanie. Have a great day. Uh, Alan, congratulations, Alan. Well, uh, thank you for playing again this week. He hadn't played in a while, so it's nice to hear Alan's voice and uh, pray for Alan. He's you know a little special intention for Alan and his family. We'd be grateful to you, but uh, we'll get you in touch with our sponsor this week, Bead After Bead by Dolce over on Etsy, and thank them again for being a sponsor. Uh, next week, who's our sponsor? Um, next week, I believe our sponsor is. Oh, I can't be too sure. All right, well, we'll we'll, we'll tell you on Monday then. How about that? Uh, guess what? The email, CDT Insiders, you guys got the General Boinkin interview. We sent that to you yesterday, so hopefully you'll enjoy that. You get first crack, first access to the full interview. We'll play a portion of that interview during our show next week, live on the radio. So if you're not on the CDT Insider email list, make sure you join. You can do so by texting GRN to the number 42828. So just text to the number 42828, the letters GRN. And you can get in on our CDT list. Praise be to God for that. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you in the after show, or we'll see you back here Monday morning, 8 a.m., or rather 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central, 7 to 9 Eastern. Praise be to God. We have a full lineup. We're looking forward to it. God love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome back to the uh, after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual about our conversation. 
Whatever you want to talk about is on the agenda, so please, if you're new here, do us a favor and comment. Let us know where you are from if you are new. We like to, uh, <laughs> we like to, what was that? We, we like to uh, add a little extra love to our first time commenters for sure. Praise be to God. Melanie, thanks for hanging out with us today on the game show. That was a lot of fun. Um, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy having a laugh or two and learning something new. It's always, uh, it's always a good time. So uh, let's see who's here. A little bit. Uh, the numbers are a little bit down today. I guess it's Friday, huh? And um, people are, are sleeping in everywhere. Apparently, uh, oh, actually, we have forty people. Praise be 40 to God. People on. Praise be to God. Tammy, good morning to you. Uh, uh, Saint Teresa of Avila is in the studio with us. Good morning. You got to turn your mic on. Uh, welcome back to the uh, to the studio. Good morning. You but you were out. We were out. So you were out. Uh, mm-hmm. What'd you do on your uh, on your vacation then? Slept in. You didn't go anywhere exciting. No. No. Mm-mm. Well, that's boring. Well, I mean, like you didn't go to you know, like Costa Rica, or Fiji, or no, 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 no. The Those Himalayas are still closed. Where yeah. do people go on vacation these days? Himalayas? They go to climb climb Everest or something. I don't Everest. think it's still, it's still like that's close. a vacation spot, right? That sounds that's hard. a vacation spot. <laughs> hard. It'd be cooler than this place, though. That's for sure. <laughs> is that a, is that a pun or <laughs> <laughs> all puns are intended on this program? By the way, yes. Uh, good morning to you, Monica Cortez, Mike K. Good morning to you, Jeff Burrier and family. By the way, uh, we got uh, we got a letter, right, Adrian? Yes, we did. It that's was so right. cute. Oh. Yeah, we got a letter from the Burrier family, specifically from Sienna. Yes. Sienna oh. sent us a wonderful letter. Very sweet. Thank you very much, Sienna. We enjoyed and that. thank you for praying for us. Uh, Sienna said that she was uh, praying for Joe and I while we were sick, and she was praying for Janelle that she does not get sick. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much. Much appreciated, Sienna. Yeah. Amen. Unlike the people praying for us on one of our comment sections of the YouTube video the other day, they were they were praying for our demise. Uh, they wanted us to have a, uh, a quick end to it all. Uh, so we're very grateful for the, the more positive prayers of Sienna and family. We're very grateful to you. Angelo, good morning to you. Tammy, as I said, uh, she said, great interview. People forget we are all sinners no matter our position in life. And we will come and go, but Jesus' church will, stand, will be still standing. Yay and amen. Uh, Elizabeth, Betty, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Betty wants the links to your news articles. I'm on it. I'm uh, okay. I'm compiling a um, list for um, anyone who wants to have access to it. Awesome. And I'm working on a website, which well, I was until I got sick, and then it went on the back burner, and you know, poo poo on me. I need to get back to it. It's just a lot of work. Uh, but I'm we're going to be rolling out a brand new website that's going to highlight the digital aspect of our apostolate, and it is going to include not only the the episodes, the videos, the interviews, all of that, but also a blog post for a place so we can put all of our link information, guest show information, all of that stuff per episode. So that's coming. It's coming. Uh, let's see here. Christopher Velasquez, good morning to you. Mary Barone, good morning to you. Uh, Mike K. and William Hemsworth, praise be to God. Thanks for being on. Mike K., uh, range safety officer, huh? The, he's bringing his 308 this weekend. Yes, it's fun shooting a 308 at the range, isn't it? It sounds like a, you know, howitzer cannon. I love shooting my 308. Um, the last time I went to the range, I took my sons to shoot my 308, and <laughs> they had never shot it before, so I filmed like that first trigger pull, and it's so hilarious to see the reaction on their face. 
to the to, to the reality of how powerful the three hundred eight round really is. It's just it's priceless, very very priceless. Uh, let's see. Did I miss something ugly this week? Glad I did not see it. I'm prone to righteous anger. <laughs> what? You, what? what? Mike A. I don't. Mike you're gonna have to give me some more off. context. Oh, about I'm not the sure. Ugly comments. Oh, oh, I, oh. I, 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 I'm speaking tongue in cheek, Mike. My, my bad. Take me too serious here. We released that video of our conversation with Bishop Athanasius Schneider uh, a week later because we were not here and couldn't access this stuff and. So we weren't uploading anything last week. Well, we finally got around to getting it up, and it went viral, as far as our channel is concerned anyway. And it's got like over 10,000 views at this point. It's got 200 comments or something. I don't even know. And there was <laughs> – we're looking at some of the comments. There's just a lot of people with uh, strong opinions uh, in the uh, – in the comments, but section. there are a lot of positive comments. No, no, there, not a single one. A, not a, not a single. There's one. probably more positive comments than are negative. No, I was mm-hmm. trying to reply, no. and I just it's just so many comments. So yeah, I the comment, to like the comment that said, 10. "I hope you die. I hope they bring you back to life and then kill you again." I mean, that was not a comment. That was to- totally. That was not something anybody said. <laughs> totally, totally. Praise be to God. Uh, Brendan, Brendan, are you a brand new commenter? He says, good morning, William Hemsworth pointed me out to you guys, and I got to hear you talk about my book earlier, and I can't stop listening. This is a ton of fun, guys. Love it. Welcome to the show. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thanks we, for we coming love on. our first-time commenters. Yes. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome sauce. Praise be to Jesus. Sorry if I botched your name, <laughs> but it was, it was a great article I stumbled upon, so I was happy to share it. Yeah. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Praise be to God. Buddy Kane, Kanan. I always say Kane. I'm sorry, buddy. I don't mean to mess up your last name. Everybody deserves to have their, their name said correctly. Buddy Kanan, uh, good morning to you. I think Thank it's K9. I think it's in reference to All the right. dog. You're going to have to tell us, buddy, how do we properly pronounce your last name? Uh, Patty. Oh, I think she's right. I think it's a joke because I, cause he told us one time that that buddy's not his actual name. Right. So, yeah. Well, t- what? Either way, it's still the name I have to say on my screen. So you're going to have to tell me how I'm supposed to properly say that. Is it canine? Is it Canaan? I don't know. You're going to have to tell us. I want to get it right either way. Uh, Patty, good morning to you. Um, let's see here. Who else was on? Uh, boy, not many people commenting over on the uh, GRN side of Facebook this morning. Lori, good morning to you. Melanie, of course, you were the best uh, uh, on today's game show. We're so grateful. Uh, she said she bombed on the third question. The third question was a 50-50 chance, you know? Oh, it happens. Yeah. Um, All of them are 50-50 chances. Yeah, but... <laughs> but, but really... Yes. <laughs> okay, yes, technically that's true. But this one is just like, there's no like there's no way to like figure the out... First two, is it, yeah, the first two kinda, were 60-40 you know, split. Okay, yes, on okay, the first okay. two. You know, but the third one is, is definitely a 50-50. Okay, okay. When it's a, when yes, it's a yes, no question, no. it's like, how do you like distinguish? You know, it's harder, it's harder. Um, Ouch. Man, it's Brendan says it's yes, pronounced that, lions. And that's why the flu was scared of her. She didn't that's get right. it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sorry. Gloria Dion Lopez, good morning to you. And Luz, good morning. Joaquin, Don, good morning to you. We're glad that you're all here. Praise be to God. Um, a lot of fun today. Uh, let's see. Uh, Buddy does say, with all the problems our Holy Mother Church is facing, why did Pope Francis feel it necessary to change masses and not tackle the major problems? Because well, what else was going on, buddy? Come on now. It wasn't like there was scandals and 
and financial scandal, no. sexual scandal. It wasn't like there was other things. It's not as though the German bishops continue to pursue the synodal way, which is quite to decimate and schisma. They make schisms out of uh, out of the faithful in Germany. It's not as though all of that was going on and needed to be dealt with or anything. You know, my I had dinner with a seminarian friend of mine uh, last night. Um, so I'm especially tired today because he was, he's very busy right now. Um, and so we, yesterday, last night was the only time we could meet. And I was like, great. Okay. It's fine. I just won't sleep. No big deal. Uh, but we met and we had dinner and he was telling me, he goes, you know, this letter, he's like, I was, I was planning on whenever I became a priest, I had already started purchasing the things I needed to say the traditional mass. And I was learning the traditional mass. And he said, it feels like with this letter, that the Holy Father just like called me in and said, it said, son, son, come here, son, I hate you. Okay, continue your day, continue on. And that he said, that's what it feels like. It feels like he just like out of nowhere, out of the blue, the son's not doing anything wrong. He's just going about his life, uh, respecting his father. And then his father just calls him in and just to tell you, I hate you. And then now move on. And I feel like there's going to be coming out like. parties in the day, in the future days to come of for for many seminarians i feel like they'll like they'll become priests and then at some point down the down the the road they'll have these coming out parties where they are secret trads well that's probably true and i think that is definitely true because he he's continuing and i know a number of seminarians who are said that they're going to continue with seminary they're not going to leave uh, but they are heartbroken we need to keep our seminarians in our prayers and we need to support our seminarians and our priests uh, deacons that are especially the ones that are hurt by this so much like they need to know that we're here to that we're ready to support them we're there ready to to give them the comfort that they need because yeah I, he was telling me he goes you know i'm i'm like 20 something years old and people are coming to me and being like what do i do like what's the plan what what are we doing and he he's like i have no idea i have no clue i'm not even a priest i'm not even a deacon yet and I'm already, I think the, it's it's yeah. You started to question whether or not you want to be a seminarian for a diocese, right? Or you want to go after some of those religious communities, but mm -hmm. that there's no safety there. Exactly. There's no exactly. safety there. We've already seen some religious communities decimated because of their traditional leanings. Um, so it, there's a lot of people who are on edge right now, biting their fingernails, not knowing the future, and that includes many seminarians. So let's pray for everyone involved for sure. Um, but which is part of the reason why we had um, the conversation earlier in our first hour uh, with Suan about the papacy, especially in the early church, because one of, the, one of the points we were making in that conversation was in the early church, you did see an expression of papal authority universally, but it did so with an arm's length kind of a distance. You, you, you didn't really see a micromanaging down to the <laughs> priest level uh, coming from the, the Holy Office in Rome. Like that didn't really happen. Um, you did see just like broad strokes and and, uh, and and the big stuff, but you didn't see that micromanaging level down to the priesthood. Whereas now this document, uh, Traditionis Custodis, is an example of a micromanaging down to the priest level from the Vicar of Christ in Rome. Like that's uh, that should be interesting. And I think a lot of bishops, even bishops who aren't traditionally minded, they are, you know, typical uh, uh, and bishops. Even they, I think, are recognizing there's some. This, this is a bit. Uh, this is a, a bit of trouble here, and they're now being forced 
mandated by the Holy Office to deal with a problem that most didn't even have. This wasn't a problem they even had. Like, of all the problems in their diocese, this wasn't the highest on the list to have to now deal with. And now, this is why we're seeing all these statements to saying, I got to go through this, I got to review this, I got to discern how to implement the Holy Father's wishes. You know, they had other issues. They had uh, financial scandals and sex abuse scandals to deal with, and they've got, you know, uh, employees they got to manage and, and trouble in their parishes they have to deal with, and there's just the everyday, ordinary life stuff that they have to deal with, and now they've got to deal with this too. So this was one more thing on their list to have to now deal with, and they didn't, they didn't, they didn't even know they had the problem to begin with, at least in most dioceses. There are, of course, you know, examples of, of dioceses that were, had, did have issues with their traditional communities, um, at least that's the perception. And, uh, and they were, I'm sure, happy for this document to come out. Yeah. Um, buddy, buddy is correct. Buddy says that, uh, it's definitely Canaan uh, because he was trying to include his dog. Canine. So canine, canine. Problem is, I have a cousin named Canaan, so that's where I'm getting confused. Yeah, Buddy said, there's a reason why the Old Testament had strict penalties for sodomites. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to, I keep mentioning the Book of Gomorrah because I've just been reading it recently. And wow, if uh, I was making the joke, I was like, imagine if a priest just got the Book of Gomorrah and just took an excerpt out of it from uh, Peter Damien and just re- read that as his homily. Uh, and be, I'm like, and then scorched I, earth, right? It'd be, it'd be, it would be really bad for him. Yeah. But Saint I'm like, Peter I'm like, just be like, just be like, hey, you know, it's not. I'm not giving my opinion. I'm just reading uh, Saint Peter Damien's writings. That's all yeah. I'm doing. You know, no big deal. Uh, scorched it, earth. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. I'm like, whoa. And uh, technically speaking, some of the laws that Peter Damien, uh, who was a bishop and cardinal, he. Um, some of the laws that he put into place ends up becoming the universal law of the church on the punishment of sodomites, uh, specifically of priests. And they are technically, a lot of them are still, um, are still in, in effect today. You know what so. gets me? Okay, so this kind of chaps me a little bit here. Um, like we saw the story with the Monsignor out of the USACB who uh, stepped down because his, uh, because the pillar got hold of uh, data from Grinder and discovered that he mm-hmm. had been, or his cell phone was being used actively on the Grinder app for like at least three years, 2018, 19, and 20, I think is the data they had. And they were able to confirm through hiring a consultancy service, they were able to analyze the data and confirm that it belonged to Monsignor's phone. And, okay, so that, that happens. He, he resigns from his position at the USCCB. It's a big story. It breaks. Uh, blah, 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 blah. But then you start to see the spin. Well, it's not as though he was uh, talking, you know, dealing with minors. It's not as though he was hooking up with minors. As if that makes it okay. Mm-hmm. As if that excuses the behavior. As long as it's not minors, then I guess it's all right. And, you know, I, we, let, let us be reminded that... A former Cardinal McCarrick, the vast majority of his victims weren't minors. They were seminarians. They were young men. Now, the one thing that got him in trouble was a minor. It took the minor to take that guy 
uh, 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 from being a cardinal and a powerful one at that down to being Mr. McCarrick, who apparently gets to live the rest of his days in the lap of luxurious retirement, mm-hmm. uh, while others get excommunicated, kicked out, and shunned, and, and, and whatnot. It's, it's mind-boggling to me that that's the standard. Oh, it's, you know, it's not as though he was you know, connecting with minors. By the way, there was a priest in Ohio, also on Grinder, connecting with minors. You know, I hope the man uh, faces justice. But it, it's, it's unacceptable. If you are on Tender, if you are on Grinder, if you're hooking up with males or females and you are a priest, this is inappropriate. I don't care the age of the person you're hooking up with. It's worse if they're a minor, but it's bad still none the same, nonetheless, if they're, if they're adults. <clears throat> it's unexcusable. And notice the, the subtle effort to make it normal. Oh, it's not as other minors. It's consensual. It's fine. It's consensual. No, it is not fine. It is terrible. It is bad. And, uh, and these, these priests that are in these situations, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for their, pray for their deliverance from this. Pray for their victims, too. Pray for the church and the scandal that's caused by it. It's just, it, it chaps me that we see that little subtle twist. Oh, it's not as other minors. Man, that's a problem. That's a major problem. Yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Right. Anything Big positive? Problem. Anything? It's Friday. We should not be talking about something so serious. Uh, Smoke and mirrors and deflection, according to Melanie. Take the focus off of the real issues. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Wow. Uh, this well, weekend. Lori still seems to think that you're, you're under the influence. She thinks you're tipsy. Uh, I think what is she trying to say? I think she was talking about the... Um, do we need to do a test? The 50-50. Do we need to have you walk a line? Um, she says you're still under the influence of cold meds. Yeah, I think she's referring to the 50-50. <laughs> I think she thinks you're, you're a little tipsy. That's what I think. Little uh, woozy. My interpretation what? is she thinks you're woozy. Yeah, you're woozy. You're woozy. Woo-hoo. Okay. <laughs> Kicking uh, back the old uh, cold, uh, cold meds, huh? Yeah. Anyway, his responses are just not. <laughs> uh, so the um, responses, okay. This weekend, uh, what are y'all doing? Sleeping in. Sleeping in. You just did that. I know. Like you're good for the whole month. Like, what are you talking about? Good grief. Really? You get used to it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I have um, I have a little trouble sleeping at night because I have sleep apnea, so it's a little rough for me. Um, but you know, the Lord wakes me up every day, and I'm very grateful. Sometimes a little later than other days, but it's yeah, who's going fishing? It's fishing. Been a while since I've been to the beach or by, and I want to go fishing. Yeah, we we uh, my my older kids love to fish, so um, we do that a couple days of the week. We're actually fishing well, near see, the house. I oh, see wow. that Spain is open for traveling in June. But speaking of fishing in Spain, yeah. you could get some really uh, inexpensive charters to fish massive fish out of their rivers there so if you like let's say you live on the east coast right Mm -hmm. a flight from the east coast to spain is cheap money um and then you can find these charters over there for a couple hundred bucks and you're pulling out massive fish out of the rivers i mean it's pretty good deal if you like if you like fish and you want adventure no i want to go back to finisteta and go uh clam digging you don't have to go that, that far to go clam digging. But I like Finisterre. 
Oh, I see. Okay. I, I, you're looking for an excuse to get <laughs> back like, there. Okay. I'd go back there and, and do that. Now, Anna, you, you did the, uh, the Via Compostela. Yes, Tell I did. us about that. The Camino like, Francis. When did you do that and what route I, did you take? I did the Camino Francis September, between September, mid-September to I came back November 1st. So mm-hmm. I did the Camino Francis. What year? 2019. So, okay, so it's been a while. And how long is that, that route? As long as it takes you. <laughs> no, no. How, how many miles? How many? It's 800 kilometers. Eight, okay. 500 we're, miles. We're Americans. So 500 miles. We're mer- from Merca. We don't believe Merca. in kilometers. Yeah, and no. What do you think is the average system? amount of time it takes a person to traverse that long? It took me six weeks. Wow. Yeah. And I, 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 and I go walking to just for my exercise. I like doing at least two. I was doing at least two miles a day or, okay. you know, I'm not a. But you put a backpack on me and going uphill, which was most of it's uphill, um, yeah, it took some time. Oh, yeah. I thought I was going to do it three, knock it out three, four weeks, take uh, pilgrimages to different sites, you know, to, to Loyola and, uh, you know, do some other things. And mm-hmm. nope, about, uh, about three weeks into it. I was like, this is all I'm doing. <laughs> I, have, I have to make it to the Compostela. I have to do this. This is all that's going to be done. And uh, What yeah. if you biked it? What, you can bike it. That would probably cut, it in, flat. cut it in half. Wait, but it's I uphill. Know some, I know somebody, who did, I know somebody who did could, bike, bike that. Eh, I prefer the walking. I, pre- I, yeah. pre- I prefer to walk. I mean, you can though. do. That's a long You can do walk. it. Uh, you can do it. It's and it's it's doable. There's probably about 20 miles that I didn't walk <clears throat> only because of money situations. I was in mm. a place where I couldn't get it to an ATM, and mm. I wanted to be sure, so I had to drive. I had to take the bus to make sure that I got to um, the next destination, which the next city, which was Burgos, and uh, get some money. Uh, and that's about it. And I was I spent it walking, and the first first few weeks you're you're getting acclimated to it uh at least i was because everybody was asking me oh you're from texas oh houston you know how did you how did you acclimate to all this higher level because you know it's pretty flat here Mm. i said i just walked slow and took deep breaths you know and um so i was about the slowest walker on there people were people constantly passed me up (laughs) i just felt like you know uh but it was it was so nice I can imagine. It was a pilgrimage. I wouldn't. I, didn't consider I, I it would a like vacation. to do. I wouldn't mind taking a month off and doing that. That'd be amazing. Speaking mm-hmm. of bikes, though, uh, Mike K brings up a, an, an important question. I feel like he says, uh, "Why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself?" Why? It was too tired. <laughs> Definitely haven't heard that one before. Uh, but Dad jokes. being from a, being from a strong dental family, you might appreciate. Uh, you know, there was this dentist. Who got a kind of a, a dentist award? Do you know okay. what kind of a dentist award he got? What what kind of award was it? It was a little plaque. <laughs> true story. I'm gonna tell that to true, my dad. True story. True story. <laughs> little plaque. Uh, Mr. Thomas Anderson. Good morning to you, our friend from Florida. By the way, we had a Florida contestant on our game show today, Melanie, uh, which was awesome. So we like uh, we like it when our our Florida friends call in. Praise be to God for it. Uh, but uh, he, Mr. Thomas says he is very sad to hear that Janelle is leaving, and uh, was that, and he wants to know if your job was temporary. Yes, unfortunately, you know Janelle feels like uh, education is important. I don't know why. 
I've tried to talk her out of it. Uh, <laughs> but she's getting such a good one here. Oh, that is. Yeah, that's so very let's do true. air quotes on that. A good one. I mean, look, what, <laughs> look how much it's benefited Adrian Fonseca, for instance. Boy, that's proof, isn't it? Uh, so you go back to school when again? Um, I go back to school August 23rd. To be a dentist? No, actually, um, both of my parents are dentists, um, and people will always ask me, like, oh, are you planning to be a dentist, too, to um, to carry on, like, the family line? And I'm like, no, I don't think I will, but I'll be helping people smile in a different way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So. You really thought that one out. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but for the benefit of Mr. Thomas Anderson, you are discerning a vocation. I am. I'm discerning um, to be a Dominican, um, a Dominican sister with the uh, Vietnamese Dominican Sisters of Mary Immaculate Province. Um, I've been discerning this uh, very recently and uh, more seriously. And um, I do have a great desire to um, join religious life. The question was when. Um, and so as I was praying about it and discerning, um, I got this job opportunity here at um, the CDT. And so and I think um, through that, it kind of helped me figure out, then, okay, maybe God wants me to wait a little longer before I join. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. And you, okay, so you're starting your next semester August the 23rd, I think you said. Yes, that yeah, is correct. So that's coming up. Praise be to God. Now, as far as the, you know, CDT goes, you know, it's a full-time job. And yes. it was brutal on Miss Emily trying to do both. Mm-hmm. So we don't wish that on anybody. Uh, kind of one or the other is the deal because we have to be up at crack of dawn. And sometimes we work nights and even on the weekends keep, you know, booking guests and that kind of thing. So... It's a tough thing to do and go to school full time. It wouldn't be it's it's you end up burning the candle at both ends and you get burnt out fast. So yes. That's why I really wouldn't work in that regard. So we have actually posted a job ad uh on uh catholicjobs.com. If I can find that link to it, I'll post it in the comments. Catholic jobs. Uh, yeah, you can uh work with the C D T team. I don't know is that a, if that's a good thing for you, but you could <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> Is it good for your soul is the question. But we have, uh, we have actually posted a, uh, a, a sort of a job posting for – we're looking for a female, by the way. So if you know any females – and they don't have to be located in Houston, but they do have to relocate to Houston if they become the successful candidate uh, because we do prefer them to be in studio. You know, like Adrian and I, where I was doing the show uh, the whole time from the house while being sick, but even under like the healthiest conditions – not being in the room is just harder. Yeah, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. It is just, it's hard to describe why it's harder. You think, oh, no, it's, it's so easy. It's not. There, there is a disconnect psychologically as well as physically that's, that no, does not make it ideal. So to, in order to maximize the opportunity in the interaction between the team, the dynamic uh, relationship with us, uh, it's important that we're all in the same room. So uh, that for that reason, we're you know we, we expect our our teammates to be here in the studio with us, and we've had people I've had people here in town they're they they've, they've emailed me, Joe the, the job sounds fascinating. Do I actually have to come to the studio? Yes, yes, you have to get up and you have to drive here and you have to be in the room, but it's so far. Yeah, well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got to come. You got to come to the studio. I mean it's it's I think it's almost hilarious to me that people are like, well, "I don't really want to have to drive across town." Yeah, well, I'm so sorry. That's the way it goes. Just the way it is. Yeah, I'm um, actually going to look at apartments today. 
Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No kidding. Somebody's uh, growing can, up. I'm going to bring the family. Can we <laughs> come no. swim in your, your pool when you do that? Yeah, I'm going to sure bring the not. whole family over. And we're going to make a lot of noise and just, uh, you know, leave Cheetos in the in the hot tub or something. And everybody's going to go. They're not allowed to eat Cheetos. Mr. Fonseca, your guests are, are troublesome. Uh, they're troublemakers. It okay. is, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's fine. <laughs> That's my family. <laughs> it's like, it's not my apartment. What do I care? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so yeah. this afternoon after, I uh, like around 2.30, me and a couple buddies are going to go look at apartments. Uh, and assuming we pick one. We'll be moving in at the end of August, uh, so we'll see if that works out. Yay. I'm just trying to see if everything is uh, cost effective because living at home is rather nice, especially when you're single. Um, but you know, I don't know. I the the drive would be uh, 15 minutes versus uh, an <laughs> hour, so that's the main. It's like the primary thing because actually, like I enjoy living at home. I enjoy speaking to my family. When I get home, uh, so I, think I don't it's, know. It's funny the way Let's you see. said that. I enjoy speaking to them. I don't hate my family like other people do, <laughs> and that's what you inferred. You know, it's yeah, it's kind of what I am inferring actually, because <laughs> I know a lot of people who like are like dying to leave their house. Like, I gotta get away from my family. I gotta get out of there. But I'm like, I, I actually love my family. I like. I mean, everyone. I make sure my friends love their family too. But I'm like, they they don't get along with their families. What I'm trying to say. And I'm like, I get along with my family. I enjoy sitting down and chatting with my mom and my dad and my siblings. Um, so you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. But uh, uh-huh. one other, one last thing. Jesus is a friend. Hi-ya. Jesus is my friend. It's not right. He taught okay. me how to live so my life has It lacks me virtue. We need to balance this out with something. It lacks, it lacks charity. <laughs> it is a travesty. The horrors of the apocalypse. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. We enjoy uh, getting casual and just, you know, chatting. That's always a lot of fun. Praise be to God. We'll see you back here Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Yeah, yeah, that's right, 6 a.m. 7. Praise be to Jesus. I'm going back to bed. God love you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us 